0: As an attorney, Jason is licensed to practice law in Florida, Mississippi, Alabama, Texas, and New Jersey. He received his legal training by his Juris Doctorate from Nova Southwestern University and by attaining a Master's of Law in International Law and Comparative Law from Georgetown University. Jason is also a person with psychic abilities, and he has his own podcast, The Social Psychic Radio Show, Jason believes by coming together from a spiritual approach can engage a healthy and constructive dialogue. While spiritual topics will continue to be an important part of his show, Jason will also present topics with his desire to protect the environment, reform our criminal justice system, and safeguard every citizen from police brutality. We the people means
1: everyone. Welcome, Jason. Thank you, Dr. Leica. How are you today? I'm great. How are you doing? Great. Thank you for such a warm reception. I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> great. Now tell me, what does it mean to be a psychic medium? and How does this fit in with you being a law lawyer?
1: It's funny. I was just literally commenting before we got on the air how I enjoy switching hats. This is my lunch hour right now. And I was working all morning, settling cases, negotiating cases, working with clients on my files, you know, and uh, I do property damage claims for hurricanes and stuff in Florida. And there must have
0: been quite a few hurricanes lately.
1: Yeah, we've, we've got, we got a lot of business that we're still doing. How it works for me being psychic is I just, I keep it compartmentalized. I do psychic stuff evenings, weekends after five o'clock. It's like having a moonlighting position. I, uh, basically do this. I've always treated it as a hobby. I know it sounds terrible to say that, but recently it's become more, more involved. Like people are getting more attention about it and calling me for readings and stuff. And, for me, it's all about balancing and I've had a challenge with it, but I, I love, I love everything I get to do. So it's, it's just my life the way it is, is how I say it to people. Great. Now, when did you first know you became a psychic? Back in law school, when I was in my early twenties, I kind of had an idea that I might be intuitive. And even when I was a little kid, I remember my grandmother was very psychic and she was from, uh, originally from Slavic origins, like the Czech Republic and stuff. And she always had premonitions and stuff. And then my mom, was well, also psychic. My brother too. So I think it runs in the family. But for me, it wasn't until my grandfather passed away in 2004 that I had orbs of light appear to me in a hotel room. And it was my grandfather basically telling me, don't worry about me, son. I love you. I'll always be with you. Go get some food. And my first spiritual experience happened that night when my best friend called to ask me how my grandfather was. And I picked up on her grandmother that passed away six months earlier at the drive through at Panera Bread in Wisconsin. So basically, I went to get food. She called me to ask me how everything's going with my grandfather because he had a stroke. But I was like, oh, he's OK. He just passed. And she's like, what do you mean he passed? And I'm like, my grandfather crossed over. And she goes, well, how do you know that? My mom called me. She's like, well, you don't sound too upset. I said, because the orbs of light appeared in my hotel room because I was on a deposition in Wisconsin at the time. So she was skeptical. And then I started picking up on her grandmother. And that's when she became less skeptical, basically. Interesting. Interesting. So do you get these orbs of light often from various things? That's the only time that's happened like that. My grandfather has come to me regularly in the last, how many number of years that is? 17 years. I get him regularly in visitation dreams. Um, I get pennies, pennies from heaven. I literally get those anytime something important is about to happen in my life. I get an indicator of that. Usually my grandfather supporting me or showing me. I can communicate with my grandfather and other deceased people through synchronicity, and understanding things from a larger perspective than just what we are living in our 3D world right now.
0: Okay. Okay. That's, that sounds interesting. And it sounds like definitely different from the conventional lawyers that we have.
1: <laughs> Correct. Correct. And I've kept them separate till this time. I mean, with my podcast that's been growing. So people in my law, in my, my law life, I call it in the legal profession who I work with friends who are other, other attorneys and colleagues and um, they, they all know about me. My law partners know about me doing the psychic thing and everything. And it's been really great. Um, everyone accepts it. I haven't had any ridicule.
0: Well, that's good because I think one of the biggest things you're opening yourself up by talking about it is ridicule. You know, somebody in your legal profession might say, geez, I don't know if this guy's all there. Or is he <laughs> with, with all the stuff, the talk of the
1: spirituality? And my response to that would be, well, I don't think you're getting everything that you should be grasping because we're not just mind and body. We're mind, body and spirit. But now ethics rules, because I know you're a doctor. Ethically, I do not let the lawyer and the psychic inter, you know intermingle because I think like I'm going to be in court and be like, oh, what's the judge thinking right now? Um, I don't do any of that. I keep I keep literally separate hats. So in terms of ethics, I keep my lawyer side in one area and then after hours and weekends, I do the psychic side.
0: It sounds reasonable. It sounds very reasonable right there. So what's the most challenging aspect about being spiritual and a psychic?
1: I think it's when you know things that are ahead. Like I know certain things are ahead in people's lives or my life or get premonitions about things, but I don't know how I'm going to get there. Like I know point B is over there, but I'm at point A. How am I going from point A to point B? And things just fall in line over time. So having an under, like before the election happened, I had a premonition June of last year that Biden would get elected president, that five states would flip blue. And I wrote a post on my Instagram and I was right. I got all the states right. The only thing I didn't get right was I said that there would be a blue majority in Congress and that would be a landslide. Well, it wasn't a landslide. It was a slow trickle. But so I get things like that that happen from time to time. And I guess understanding how to work within the parameters of our 3D world, as I call it, time, matter, space. Where I pick up spiritual stuff, but realistically, the spiritual stuff I pick up, so many other people can pick up as well. So what I do, I say is very basic and common. And it's not something that's so unique. I try to, I try to simplify being psychic. So people don't think it's just this mysterious thing that's ephemeral. <laughs> I, uh, I just say, you know, everyone's made of energy. So if everybody's made of energy, then I can read energy. So how does it make it any complicated that I could do that? I just happen to be a lawyer <laughs> that does that.
0: Are you certain there is an afterlife?
1: Well, I've read thousands of people since 2004. The first 10 years of that, or I'd say the first 12 years of that, I was a private person denying being a medium. So I'd sit on an airplane and I would be flying for, for work, my law job. And I would pick up on someone grieving their daughter sitting next to me and start talking to her and her daughter's coming through. So for me, it's like, Spirituality is just part of of like the leaves on the trees, or you know, it's just part of what we are, who we are. Understanding that and getting getting accepting of that is is part of the process it takes for all of us to kind of come around. I, it took me ten years because I was practicing law in conservative jurisdictions in Florida, the Bible Belt. I wasn't about to be open about letting people know I'm a psychic medium while I'm working Hurricane Katrina claims in Mississippi. So it took me a time of evolution for myself. But in terms of being spiritual, I think it's just something that. I've just, it's just become part of my life. Spiritual things happen every day to me. Like I'll give you an example. I'm sitting on the cat. I work from home right now because of COVID and I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm working on my files and then my psychic line, as I call it, I have a separate number. It, uh, it rings all the, it rings on, you know, every day, but I don't always pick it up during business hours. So I picked it up once. I'll get it. I'll get a nudge to pick it up and I'll pick it up and it'll be someone who's grieving their their son that passed or their husband that passed. And I'll do a reading for them spot check right then and there. And then I realize it's all about healing. It's not about me. It's not about what's this, what's that. It's about if I'm available and I don't have something going on and someone reaches out and I feel that and, you know, opportunities present. I'll I'll do that Um, to give someone a reading and and work with somebody if it's that important. I feel I, I get the nudge from my spirit guides is what I'll say. Okay.
0: So, so what motivated you to become open about being a psychic?
1: I have a best friend who owns a metaphysical center here in Tampa, and she and I met at a wedding in 2016. And she sat next to me. Her name is Megan. Her shop's called Royal Susie. And she said to me, you're the psychic guy I heard about. I'm like, yeah. She's like, we're going to be best friends and I'm going to help you become an open psychic. And I'm like, what? Next thing you know, uh, six months later, her shop has people that come in for want readings all the time. So I incorporated myself and then I decided to take a plunge and I started doing it that way. And I started to enjoy it. It's like going to the gym and getting endorphins. When I do a good reading, it's like a good outlet for me um, outside of my normal routine life as a lawyer.
0: That's cool. That's cool. And what do you like best about being a lawyer?
1: Best about it? I think helping people when, when all the things line up and you could do something really well and settle a case for somebody that they've been struggling for a while against their insurance company Being able to do that is meaningful for me.
0: That's cool. Do you have a lot of insurance company cases?
1: Mm, Probably, uh, I'd say for our firm, we've got a good number right now. Yeah, I would say enough to keep us busy for a good number of years.
0: Interesting. So what's the most challenging thing about COVID?
1: For me? Yes. Being isolated because I was a cancer survivor. So I had cancer in 2018, kidney cancer. And I had surgery for it and got rid of it. And then now, you know, just after losing 55 pounds and moving forward in that, having COVID happened and sprung on us, um the fear that because of my immune system and having, you know, having survived cancer that I had to be careful. So I literally went from, I call myself the social psychic. I was the social distancing psychic. I literally stayed home in my condo in a self-imposed quarantine for a year. I just started finally now after being, you know, vaccinated for the last, month or so, I started finally venturing out more. But it's that kind of emotional context of it being alone a lot. Uh, I meditated a lot. I was I, I become much more spiritual than I even was a year ago. And but it still takes a toll emotionally. It really was hard. I think it's hard for everybody on our planet. I think everybody went through a hard time the past year. Now we're going to going back to reality a little back to a new normal, I should say.
0: I, I think so. I, I worry about opening up too fast because I think then we're going to start getting these super spreader events going on again. And mm-hmm. that'll throw us back a long ways. And I I worry about these mass gatherings we're going to be having and things like that. I don't think it's smart without masks and social distancing. I really think we got to take this a grain of salt at a time. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that aren't vaccinated yet. Only 50% are vaccinated. So I think we're biting off more than we can chew if we allow people to get back to their regular
1: habits. I agree. I agree. It needs to be cautious and it needs to be on a time frame that supports the evidence and the facts and the data. And you know what frustrates me? You asked me earlier about what frustrates me most about COVID. People who don't believe in science and facts is what frustrates me most. People who don't take this seriously, people who don't wear a mask, people who aren't getting vaccinated because they just decided they don't want to do it. They're not ready for it. Well, I'm sorry. It's like it's not convenient for you. Like, you know, like it's, it's a larger social responsibility we all have to live on this planet takes responsibility and accountability.
0: Well, I understand people's fear of vaccines because there are certainly nothing is without a downside and there isn't anything without side effects. So there are certainly yeah, uh, But we must take solace in the fact that over 14 million people have been vaccinated now around the world and there have been no major events. So we are exactly. very fortunate. So I think we have to take it all with a grain of salt and, and do what's right, not only for ourselves, but for others, because we have a social responsibility to keep other people safe as well.
1: Absolutely. 100 percent. And I think that if we all take it more seriously, this virus will be eradicated and it won't be a lingering situation like the flu or something, you know, that really challenges our healthcare system and our society.
0: I'm not sure if we'll ever get to eradication because there's always going to be pockets where we're not going to get to it, but I think we can eliminate it. And I think we're going to get to a control factor, just like we have with many things. Um, Polio, for example, being able to control that and we've almost eliminated it except for about two or three countries in the world. I'm afraid that COVID has given us a step back on that because we haven't been able to keep our vaccinations going and things like that. But we also have to take into account even mumps and measles and rubella, for goodness sakes. There are pockets of people that get those every year because not everybody's getting vaccinated. So I think we have to all realize that these diseases are always there. And COVID is one of those opportunistic infections that will attack anybody in the right social situation.
1: It's true. Anyone is, is, is possibly, you know, fall prey to it. It's terrifying to think that that is something that we've got to accept as a new normal for us and as we go about our lives.
0: Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of blame being thrust right now saying it's a Chinese virus and things like that. I, I think the fact is that it's a virus and we have to take God. into account the responsibility of it. And certainly both your country and mine have not been great in handling that virus and dealing with it well.
1: How's Canada been? I haven't really, um, with their vaccine rollout, have they been doing a, uh, like we have here in the United States?
0: Well, you have just about gotten over 50% of your population vaccinated. Now we are passing that on a population basis right now. Okay. Uh, we started lower. We started slower, but we're rapidly catching up. It's because we don't have the political factions here. Most people want to get it. Most people are willing to get it. It's been a supply problem more than anything else.
1: I understand. I, I, I was one of the first people here in Florida to get it because of my prior cancer thing. I got the exemption to go get it right away in early March. And I did that. And it it's interesting when I got that, sh- the first dose, my outlook kind of became like, I felt like the sun was coming out again. <laughs> it's kind of weird to think that how an act of getting a vaccine can change one's perspective in the life of which we live in, but unique. That's,
0: that's true. So, as I say, from a legal perspective, I think we have to also protect people. So that means the uh, vaccination route has been one of the best investments ever for helping to protect people from these major catastrophes that have gone on for years.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I just hope that we can get past it and put this in a, in a place where no one else is, you know, where, where we reduce lives, you know, death, lives lost and deaths and serious illness. That's the minimum that we need to do with this thing and then go from there on terms of all our other efforts.
0: Yeah, I think that's very important. So uh, back to being a psychic. What's the best thing about being a psychic?
1: It's a great icebreaker. (laughs) I can go in a room of people and if, (laughs) if I don't know anybody and they start asking me questions, oh, what do you do? Oh, you're the guy that's a psychic that my friend told me about. It's always an opportunity to have a conversation with somebody. And and usually I I pick up stuff that helps people, gives them guidance, gives them some, something to hold on, hold on to with all the stuff that we've gone through in the last year. I feel like people are becoming more spiritual as a, as a, as a planet. I think people are looking at things from a different point of view than they did 15 months ago.
0: What's the worst thing about being a psychic?
1: Dealing with. I guess for me balancing everything in my life because I love what I do as a psychic, but I also have my life as a lawyer. And then I even love more than those, my podcast. So for me, it's like finding the, finding the balance of doing these things in my life and making sure I can do all of them in a competent manner and enjoying everything I do, but balancing it all while grounding myself. That's cool.
0: And Are you, how do you ground yourself?
1: Meditation, uh, I meditate with rose quartz and other crystals and any, any type of healing modality I hear about on my show. A lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll look into them. Like, you know, uh, different forms of meditation, different forms of like just working inside, you know, um, myself for 12 months, I was stuck in the house for COVID and I meditated and like forgiving people from the past, letting go of negativity, personal growth, all those things kind of flourished from being in quarantine. And I think that kind of helped me going forward now.
0: What's the most interesting guest you've had on your
1: podcast? I'd like to say Dr. Alan Leica. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was- I have had, you know what? I've had so many amazing authors and guests on my show that it's uh, been, it's been, it's been a, it's been a treat. I I'm, I'm expanding the reach of my show to include social justice issues. So I've had a few social justice type guests on my show and they've been cool, but I love, My traditional guests who deal with, you know, healing mode. It's more about healing modality, self-improvement, mind, body, spirit, meditation. Those kind of things are all really cool. Mindfulness. And that's the kind of stuff that I think I really enjoyed about my show is it's funny. My show got set up as a platform. And then now it's kind of like I learned from my show. I have guests come on and I prepare for the interview and I get to interview some amazing guests. But then I'm expanding my own concepts and my own perspectives and connecting with people. So that would probably be the best way to phrase it. Any guest that comes on that I feel is worthwhile on my show has been amazing. Connecting and staying in contact, developing a network from that platform.
0: That's important. I think connection is what it's all about, and I think
1: that's what we do.
0: The good thing about COVID for me is that we've been able to connect better. Uh, You know, We have better tools for connecting. Zoom has been an amazing platform for connecting, and we've been able to get in touch with people from around the globe.
1: I love Zoom. I've I've actually been incorporating it into my podcast to do video stuff for my YouTube channel. And I started to do that about two months ago. I'm behind on uploading all the videos because I got to get them edited by uh, someone who helps me with that. But incorporating Zoom, I feel like it brings anyone from around the world at your fingertips. And it feels like you can sit with them for a virtual conversation across the table.
0: Yeah, it's true. It, it makes the world a smaller place. And I think we shrunk the world that way. So I think Uh, That's the benefit of social media in this day and age. We're able to to expand our frontiers and our horizons
1: as a result of it. Absolutely, hundred percent. I just I think Zoom's going to offer us a lot of opportunities going forward. I I think so, and I think the world is going to
0: be better as a result of it. Uh, Of course, there certainly is a backlash from COVID. I think people are going through an emotional downturn. They're they're going through anger. They're going through denial. They're going through bargaining and there's still a large amount of depression going on out there.
1: You know, I still deal with that kind of thing myself. I was in the car yesterday, very happy. I settled some cases for my law job. Uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to this podcast interview today. I've had guests on my show and I'm sitting there driving and I'm in traffic and I'm like, why am I feeling sad right now? And I was thinking about it. I'm like, I'm having a sad moment because of what I've been through the last year, experiencing everything collectively we have as a a planet it's going to impact us for some time. We're probably going to have something called COVID syndrome or there's going to be some type of mental health awareness. I'm sure everyone struggles in some way. And if someone, t- if someone sits on a show like this and says, Oh, I had an amazing year. I don't struggle at all. They're lying to you point blank. Yeah. You can't go through what we've gone through and tell you, ha- tell, tell anyone it hasn't affected you on an emotional level.
0: I, I think. People are going to have to realize this. And, and just like anger and denial and forgiving are not a one-time thing. It's a thing that comes like waves on the ocean back and back again. And we have to realize that this is going to be coming back and back again, probably for the next couple of years.
1: And that's, a, that's you know, I'm sure a lot of us think, oh, that the vaccine's been attained. We're going to have booster shots in a few months or whatever. You know, this is behind us. But then you have people who never thought it was a virus to begin with. How do you work with people who don't even understand the facts? And, and that's that's scary for me when I when I, and I you know what? That's another tough part about being in this whole situation. The toughest part about COVID is having close friends of mine that I know for 30 years since high school or friends I know from college. And they make some decisions and I'm scratching my head while I talk to them like, wait, you didn't do what you should be doing with how to contain the virus. If you're exposed to somebody or you haven't taken the right steps to do what you need to do to protect yourself and your family and anyone else. Like it's, it's like really requiring every single person to be responsible and all our lives are more interconnected because of the virus than before. Cause now we got to worry who have you been with? Have you been around anyone that's been infected? Have you had symptoms? What's your, you know, what's your temperature? There's all, that's, that's much more intrusive than we ever had before the pandemic.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, Jason, we're getting close to the end of our show already. It's wow. time has flown by as always. And yes. how can people get in touch with you if they'd like to for either of your services?
1: Sure. I would just say for the psychic stuff, if you want to reach out to me, you can reach out to me at the socialpsychic.com. And if anyone's interested in wanting to know more about my show, uh, info at the letter D socialpsychicradio at, at uh, dot com. Info at the letter D socialpsychicradio.com.
0: Yeah. Cool. And what about if they need you as a lawyer?
1: If they need me as a lawyer, they can look me up under my legal name, Jason Ciafalo. And that's C-I-O-F-A-L-O. But I generally tell people through these interviews that I'm on here because of my psychic side and that my lawyer's side is, you know, lawyers can't solicit. So I don't use these opportunities to put my name out there there. But I would say generally, I would just, if anyone wants to reach out to me, to talk to me, that's how they can find me.
0: Sounds good, Jason. Well, thank you very much.
1: Have a fantastic day. Thank you so much, Dr. Leica. I appreciate it. Pleasure. Stay
0: well. Stay well. Thank you. I'm Dr. Ellen Leica. Make sure you go to DrEllenLeica.com. That's d r a l l e n Leica, L-Y-C-K-A.com. And get a free copy of my book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. And subscribe to our podcast on this page so you won't miss a single episode. Every week we have exciting guests to help you have the best life you can.